Hey, packaging peeps. It's your host, Avelio Matos on Package Design Unboxed. So I grew up in Hawaii for a good part of my youth. And growing up, we saw a lot of weed. Right? We didn't call it cannabis back then, but today it's cannabis. Now, never would I have ever guessed that you'd be able to buy it in a store and walk around the street smoking or ingesting it legally, much less having a career in designing packaging and building brands around cannabis. Today, there are thousands of brands and products that are establishing themselves within this early stage industry that's not yet fully legal. It's an area I'm super interested in, but I've got no idea where to start. And because of that, I've got a lot of questions about the industry and how to design packaging for cannabis. In this episode, we talk to Rick Fitzgerald, the Chief Creative Officer at Lazy Turtle, a design agency that's focused on supporting the cannabis industry with design. If you want to begin design packaging for cannabis, you're going to love this episode. If you're already designing packaging for cannabis, you might learn something too. You're going to learn three super major things. One, state regulations and why you need to work with a pro. Two, the opportunities within structural engineering for CR packaging, child-resistant packaging. I mean, you can make a career just out of that alone. Number three, the requirements for designing graphics on cannabis packaging. We're going to talk about the fronts, the tops, all the different panels, and what needs to go on what. Also, we're going to get some insights into the cannabis industry. And Rick is going to drop his prediction for countrywide legalization. But before we get to the show, look at your podcast app and click subscribe. And leave a review like Flux Appeal. Flux Appeal says, time well spent. Super worthwhile packaging podcast. There's no fluff in here, just relevant content and insights on packaging in its myriad forms, in easy-to-understand language, whatever the topic. I look forward to it knowing I'll walk away with something that I can use. So you can use something too. There's something in this episode that you're going to get out of this. She also goes on to say, thank you, Avelio and IDP. I appreciate that she's supporting her sponsor, idpdirect.com. And if you want to mention on a future episode, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so here's Rick, and let's get to the show. Rick, I really appreciate you being on here. We've been talking on LinkedIn for a while, and now I actually get to see you and talk to you. So I'm really excited about this now. Awesome. Appreciate your having me, Avilio. Man, it's good to, good to finally be on here with you too and see you face to face. Was it like two years ago? We, I, think, I think you were helping us with a couple projects at Color Edge towards the end of my run. But, um, you know, it's, it's good to get some face to face time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, you mentioned Color Edge. So Color Edge is like this comp house they do a ton of different things you know what was your role at color edge so i came from i came to color edge um after i was at mps multi-packaging solutions in, in los angeles and i um, i was attracted to color edge because it was a lot smaller mps is a huge global company mm -hmm. packaging company and i wanted to check out a smaller boutique type of operation so i went to work for color edge and i was their studio manager ran the operations of the place and also interacted with the clients and, and um uh, even worked on some new business development towards the end, specifically for cannabis. It was a fun, it was a fun little gig. Um, it didn't last that long. They ended up uh, closing that that division in Burbank and concentrating on their New York offices. You know, it was a great little place, and, and I learned a lot about uh, a lot of other type of comping methods besides just paperboard, uh, which I've been predominantly used to most of my career. Um, this exposed me to, to bottles, to jars, to cans, to sprays, all kinds of different things. Uh, we did comps for a lot of health and beauty aid folks, so uh, it, it was it was a good time. But you know, towards the end, it was it was interesting. 
interesting because we actually started to make some headway into the cannabis uh, world of packaging. And um, I had gotten in like probably half a dozen clients pretty quickly. Um, and uh, it seemed like it was going to be a, a, a decent uh, portion of the business, but you know, they had other plans. So yeah. here we are. Rick, so I know you from LinkedIn, just in terms of like all the, the content you, you put in there in terms of all the packaging that you've designed over the years. Um, you've done some unboxing videos, you've done record sets, like, you know, complete box sets, which, which have been pretty cool. You know, give us a little introduction of who you are and kind of what you've done and, and what you're into at this moment. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I started in Virginia. I was born and raised in Virginia in the mountains outside of Charlottesville and, um, just kind of stayed in Virginia my entire, most of my career, um, working with, uh, Shorewood packaging for 15 years and running their creative division. I started, started their creative division actually with, uh, with another, uh, another colleague, Duncan Watson and Sarah, Sarah Fabian, um, or Sarah Yard. And we, uh, we started a, an internal, so Shorewood packaging is a, uh, CPG packaging company. They they print uh, they print boxes high you know high end nice boxes for, for yeah. just about every market every segment and uh, they they wanted to help their clients a little bit more so they they needed a, they wanted to start an internal basically R and D creative group yeah. um, to service their their clients to help them you know do better packaging. We ended up becoming a full practically a full scale agency within Shorewood Packaging after after about five years. And uh, they found that we were actually sometimes we had the potential to make more money on a project than it than they would on the, the print. Sure. But they they stayed to leaving that group as a service group. So it was never a charge to the clients. We were just an added benefit. If the client had a, a new product they wanted some cool packaging for, some cool box shapes for, they would bring it into our group and our structural engineers would create some amazing concepts. And then my creative team would go in and dress it up and, and uh, you know, make it look good. Uh, on the outside. So, yeah. um, you know, clients had a full piece of, of amazing packaging that they could, you know, four to five concepts they could, they could choose from. Um, and it was all solid, you know, solid work. Our, our structural engineers worked alongside the, the, the plant folks and, and we did as well. So everything that we designed and did was feasible to be you know, produced. Sure. The worst thing you want to do, you know how it is, man, is show some crazy, amazing package that you fall in love with, but might cost three hundred dollars to to print. You know, yeah, so it's you have to watch that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I started that group, and uh, it was a very successful group. We we had a long run, and then eventually, about fifteen years of my career, International Paper came in and purchased Shorewood Packaging, and it became it became a different place. It, it was um, it was a little less creative. So uh, a bunch of folks from from Shorewood, jump ship and started another company, uh, MPS, Multi Packaging Solutions. Actually, um, the president of Shorewood uh, stepped out and started that company along with a bunch of other folks. And they, after about so from so from Virginia, they moved to LA to start MPS. Um, actually, yeah, uh, from Virginia, they moved to New York and LA, and then. Uh, just started building their entire network within the U.S. and outside the U.S. And then it ended up becoming the second largest packaging company behind Shorewood. Uh, and in the end, ended up purchasing portions of Shorewood from International Paper. It's really kind of a crazy mismatch. Right, yeah. But but yeah, when I moved over to MPS, they um, they brought me out to L.A. 
which was amazing. I've been wanting to come out to Los Angeles my whole life. I mean, I, I think I was I, I was born with the Los Angeles soul in the <laughs> middle of the Blue Ridge Mountains. So this this was definitely my place to be. Um, and I had a lot of home entertainment experience and music packaging experience. So it made sense for me to come out here and work with the with the studios. I had the relationships with them already from Shorewood and uh, was just able to extend that and, and do some really fun, uh, really fun packaging in the past, you know, for over the past eight years. I really enjoyed that whole corporate scene. It, it gave me structure as a creative. It gave me resources um, and allowed me to do some really fun stuff. I mean, we've I've done some fun packaging over the years. Like you said, you've seen some of them on LinkedIn and stuff. I really just have fun throwing that stuff up there just to kind of bring back memories. Um, but from from there, uh, from MPS, I went to Color Edge for, for just a year to, to try to develop that group. And I've always had... I've always done freelance of some sort. It's always been, an, it's it's nothing that's ever competed with my full-time gigs, but I've always done freelance work. Um, just, you know, it, it make, can make a couple extra bucks and it's also fun to be able to, yeah. to find folks to do really creative stuff with it. Maybe I couldn't do it work, you know, at my full-time gig. Um, so I've, I've always had like a small agency um, and uh, once uh, Color Edge, uh, closed down, I realized it was time to, to, to hit that full time and give it a shot. I built up uh, quite a few clients uh, just on the side, uh, mostly in cannabis, uh, a few of them in uh, health and beauty and, and wellness. Westpac, the largest packaging event on the West Coast, is back live on August 10th through the 12th at the Anaheim Convention Center. See the latest in packaging design and automation innovation from hundreds of packaging exhibitors. Boost your packaging knowledge from the free-to-attend packaging education shows that are live from the floor theaters. Now, visit westpackshow.com to register for your free expo pass and use the promo code UNBOXED, U-N-B-O-X-D, to get 50% off the CanPack West conference and other design and manufacturing technical conference tracks. You're going to learn a ton about packaging, cannabis packaging, technical packaging, production, and you're going to meet a ton of exhibitors there. Get out, meet some people, and learn about packaging. International Direct Packaging is the only factory direct packaging manufacturer with global showrooms. They design and produce packaging for established luxury brands. Because IDP's team of packaging experts design and manufacture packaging, you get a more transparent supply chain, and you're also not going to be paying distributor markups. Find the nearest IDP showroom to schedule your first packaging consultation at idpdirect.com. Because IDP doesn't source factories, they are the factory. IDPdirect.com. So how do you go from MPS, Color Edge, you know, LA scene, working with the studios to cannabis? Right? Like what what happens there and what's that jump? So when I came out here, I, I've I've um I've always enjoyed cannabis. Um, but when I when I moved into a corporate role, you know, things like drug testing and, and stuff uh, put an end to, to any type of relationship to the plant that I had um, for a long time, for probably 20 years. And then when we moved out to California, uh, obviously California being being kind of the epicenter, you know, with Colorado and Oregon of, of just, you know, bringing cannabis to the forefront. It was everywhere. Everyone here knew about cannabis. Everyone here probably was involved in some way. Um, but I, I wanted to explore what this, I, I, 
all I knew was I, I smoked weed, you know, when I was younger and, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, I got a buzz and, you know, it was fun. Um, but I had no idea how much more there was to the plant. And once I started exploring it, cause I wanted to get my medical rec rec card so that I could actually use, uh, cannabis to, to help me with some of my injuries over the years. I've busted myself up with sports. Mm. So I've got a lot of aches and pains like we all do. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've been reading a lot about how it could help with, with those type of things. So I, I got really into it, got, got a base level, learned everything I could about it. And from there, obviously, you know, going to the dispensaries, seeing products on shelf, seeing packages, brands, um, uh, on shelf, I was, I mean, I was sometimes surprised, but usually disappointed. And I felt that, um, you know, the cannabis world needed some help, some guidance from folks like, you know, you and I, you know, folks that have been in the packaging world for a long time, understood it and could help bring, you know, more innovation to, to that, uh, you know, to the, the cannabis space. Um, so, you know, instantly I was attracted to the possibility of starting to do packaging design um, for cannabis and hemp products. Uh, and, you know, once once I decided that it was pretty easy, you know, it was, there's so much going on around in California with cannabis. There's events, there's, you know, brand launches, there's pop ups, there's, you know, in, in dispensary mm-hmm. Uh, you know, brand shows and stuff. So it's really, it wasn't that difficult to connect with the cannabis community. Um, and, you know, there, there are some other avenues that, that I was able to, to connect with them as well on, on separate, uh, you know, separate subjects. One of the things that, that i developed with my wife is a cannabis friendly travel uh, platform called Indica. Um, mm. And it just, it's a, it's a platform that lists lodging venues, events, tours, and stuff like that, that are cannabis friendly. So through that, through Indica, I met just tons of people in the space, tons of brands. Um, and that just gave me another inside, inside um, uh, kind of insight to the, to the cannabis world and directly to the brands. Um, and once they found out that I've, packaging you know i got a lot of questions and, sure. and folks were were interested to find out how they could do a better job at, at packaging their their you know their products i guess what's the main difference between you know cpg packaging and and cannabis packaging you know what what was the difference <clears throat> let's say you know four or five years ago versus mm-hmm. today right because it seems like four or five years ago it was the it was the wild west right you put whatever you wanted and you know, it was, there was nothing. Totally. Once, once, I mean, before, before regulations came into effect, uh, it was the wild west. And, um, you know, there were a number of brands that were still doing it right. That, you know, brands that came from more of a CPG background, um, and understood, you know, uh, what it, what it meant to have a beautiful package. Uh, but a lot of it was just, you know, just low end inexpensive packaging. I'm sure the brands, you know, uh, you know, got what they could have, you know, got the best that they could afford, but it just wasn't great packaging. It wasn't great design. It wasn't great uh, structural design. Um, and a lot of it was not very good materials either. Um, so considering that this is, a, you know, something that you're going to consume, I, I, I felt that it was super important to make sure a lot of these folks knew to, to source their packaging safely, you know, find, find, uh, you know, materials that aren't made with a bunch of, you know, bad stuff in it. Um, and there's plenty of that. 
Because if you're, li- I mean, if you're listening to this and you're not in the cannabis space, right? You want to design packaging for cannabis, or you've got a client that's asking you're not really sure about it. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, right? I mean, it's not just the plant, you know, in terms of, you know, sometimes you think about it in simple terms, like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just a bud. It would sell that in Ziploc bags, you know, what's the big deal? But really, when you're selling a product, you know, if you've got, you know, you need, you need to have barrier properties, right? You need to protect the, the, the product from mold, mildew, all these things that can potentially injure somebody in terms of Absolutely. making them sick or, you know, what have you. What's the, when you're looking at it, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of talking about some of these materials, like what, you know, what's your approach? You know, if somebody's listening to this and they want to get into this, like, how do you think about cannabis packaging? What's important to you? Well, first, I mean, obviously you have to think about the regulations, um, all the rules and regs around cannabis packaging, which is different from state to state. Um, every state's different, uh, but there, for the most part, it's, it's a similar approach. Um, you know, you've got your standard warnings, your cancer warnings and, and uh, you know, uh, keep away from children type of warnings. You've got your THC symbol, which is a, a, a basically a, a logo that every state um, creates to show that a product has THC in it. So that has to be on the front. So basically you gotta, gotta think about all the, all the regulations, all the, all the rules that are, are you guiding the cannabis packaging and that, uh, unfortunately, is the first thing you kind of have to think about because all that stuff impacts your design. It, it takes billboard space away from you. Um, you have to make sure your your box is big enough to be able to hold all these elements, which do have minimum sizes. You know, um, like the TH symbol, THC symbol can't be less than I think half inch square, which is a big size if you're you know if you're using something like this size type packaging here you know that that takes up a huge chunk of space so you got to think about the rules and regs you have to think about what product it is if it's a tincture you know is it going to be in a glass bottle um is it is it is it uh you know is it bud um you know you have to pre-roll whatever it is you have to think about what that product is so you can find the right packaging um, luckily, you know, you asked about what the difference is between five years ago and now. Luckily, there's a, I mean, there's tons of places you can go that specifically, you know, that, that specialize in cannabis packaging. You know, they have all the the CR packaging, the child resistant packaging set up. They're using good materials. They're they're using barrier, uh, you know, based products so your flower doesn't get tainted or have some type of plastic taste to it and stuff like that. So there's a lot of options these days um, for finding packaging that fits your your product. I like custom packaging. I, I like being, I, I don't like actually pulling off the shelf sure. if I can avoid it. You know, some some clients you have to because their budget doesn't allow for a lot of custom packaging. But, um, you know, I think it, I think it, it, it benefits the brand to have a package that's built specifically for them, for their product and for their audience. Um, so I always try to, you know, if I can uh, develop custom packaging for it. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's, it, it's, there's so much out there. It's, it is really interesting. You know, the question about, you know, five years ago and now it's so different. I mean, I just remember I started coming into this around nine years ago been doing it for you know cannabis taxing for about nine years and it was insane back then i actually had a hard time finding printers that would print for cannabis you know packaging they were afraid to they they were afraid to even print <laughs> thinking that a club you know one of their customers may come in and see it and, and say hey i'm not into that now it's the opposite it's 
all everyone that I know is is printing something for either a you know a hemp based uh, mm-hmm. product CBD product type of thing or a THC uh, cannabis product. So the options are, are way better now. Um, uh, but the rest of it, as far as the creativity, yeah. it's exactly like my CPG days. I mean, there's no difference. All the every cannabis product has a demo, um, a demographic they're trying to go after. Um, so, you know, the rules around it are more strict and stringent and restrictive, but the creative process is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's uh, researching my clients, researching their story, understanding their story, connecting with it, and 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 their you know their client base, their the demographic, and just trying to build a a complete package around that story. That that really and in cannabis, it's being a regulated market and, and such a a unique product um, and and potentially dangerous for for kids and stuff like that. You really do have to be careful with with how you design. I mean, one of the one of the things in the rules and regs is that you can't design it to to be appealing to children in any way. So, and mm-hmm. I've seen. I mean, you still see it. There's so yeah. much out there that is just, and it makes me it, it's upsetting, you know, because it you know it, it could potentially land in the the hands of a child. So it's super important stuff we got on our shoulders when we design for cannabis. So you, you work on La Creme, you've got a box. It's like, you know, it's the size of about a cigarette box. So it looks like they're maybe yeah. pre-rolls. Yeah. When you're, when you're designing this packaging, you know, we talked about the regulations and stuff. What, what has to be on the front of that box? On the front, you have to have the, uh, the THC symbol, mm-hmm. which again is unique to each state. This is the California, um, this is the California symbol. Um, that has to be on there a minimum of half inch, uh, square. Um, so and it also has to be in black. Uh, so sometimes you have to put like, in this case, I put a white key line around it so it can stand out. Um, so you need to have that. You need to have the the product weight, um, you know, whatever kind of measurement device there is, around, sure. measurement there is around the product, you have to have that on there. And in California specifically, you have to tell what the product is. And they've got specific, uh, specific, specific names like flower, tincture, okay. concentrate, stuff like that. So on here, I've got the THC symbol. Um, I have uh, pre-rolls. That's one of the ones as well. Um, this was a, this is actually a mock-up. So mm. this isn't the final product. Um, sure. uh, when it, we did add some, some information about the, the weight and everything of this, but it is a CR package. Um, so, you know, there is a kind of a, a locking device that you need to you need to incorporate into it. This is fully paperboard too, by the way. That's um, awesome. So how do you? Yeah, so with that box, right? You've got the, the the CR, the child resistant feature. How is that tested? Like, is that tested? Do you have to have a, a kid, you know, in a in a room try to open that thing up? Like, how does that work? Yeah, there is there is a couple testing um, uh, facilities across the U.S. that you basically just send your package in. Um, this was a piece that was designed by a friend of mine, um, and they sent this off for for testing. And, and basically, yeah, they just they, just like you said, they probably take it through focus groups and stuff mm-hmm. like that to make sure it it pass all the everything. And uh, once you get that uh, certification, um, you have your own CR package that you can actually use for yourself, obviously, or you can mm-hmm. even sell. Um, to folks because uh that's one thing that you know cr packaging is is has been interesting because there's there's a number of them out there um and actually there's plenty of, of choices that you have now to to for cr packaging i mean they've even yeah. got a tin flip top 
um, kind of like cigarette cartons that mm -hmm. that are CR packaged CR. Wow. But yeah, so in a, you know, in addition to the CR to the to the things on the front, that certain things have to be on the front. Um, and those are the things I pointed out that the THC symbol, mm -hmm. what it is and the weights, um, the rest of the stuff can go wherever it can fit. There's no regulation telling you that on the top of the box, you have to have this. It's just the front and then everything just else, the front. wherever you can fit it. Yep. As long as it's visible from the outside of the pack without opening it. Exactly. And, okay. you know, meets their minimum size, you know, restrictions and stuff like that. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, essentially that's it. You mentioned that there is the, the cannabis symbol for California mm -hmm. or the THC symbol for California. So you can't sell that pack in Arizona. No, you have to have the, the Arizona symbol for T like, how does, how does that work? And, and how does, yeah, a, you how to... does a brand, you know, build a product that they can sell be beyond just one state? Like how does that, how do it's you not easy. That? It's not easy until federal, you know, regulations come in. Uh, it's, it's difficult um, because you're not allowed to, you're not even allowed to transport any cannabis across state state lines, you know, personal, business, whatever. It happens a lot, um, but obviously, but uh, it's it's not allowable. So every state has their own cannabis uh, regulations that they establish. Um, and again, most of them have been set up based on, you know, California and Colorado and the things that we've done here. Um, but there are slight, you know, subtleties. Some are a little less restrictive. Uh, Oklahoma isn't quite as restrictive. Um, California is super, super restrictive and, and they should be. I mean, I, I agree with it. The, these things need to be, you know, we need these type of things on this packaging, um, uh, you know, to, to just let folks know what's in it. Um, but yeah, every state's different. And it's interesting. I, I, I designed for, I, I've done designs for brands outside of uh, California, um, Michigan, uh, New York, um, Florida, and, it, it, it's pretty much this almost the same exact thing. There's there's always a symbol on the front. There's always probably a designation of what's on the inside, and then the you know the the cancer warnings if it's a smoke product and stuff like that. You know, so for example, you've got that you've got to have that all that warning information on the outside of the box. Uh, if say you had a sleeve on the outside of that, then all the information goes on that sleeve. Does the the THC symbol? Does all that also have to be on the inner box too? Because in case those get separated, like how does that like how detailed are those regs and how limiting are they? I think as long as the outer sleeve has some CR incorporated into it, whatever that may be, like, for example, on the Rogue, right. if they have a sleeve over this, they would need some type of like security tape that sure. holds the sleeve to this box. Um, because that whatever those symbols are on, you know, the, the cannabis symbol, whatever that is on, needs to be permanent. Um, hmm. uh, permanent with the box. So in order for that to, to be the case, it has the, the, that piece has to also be child resistant. So it's not just a slide off sleeve. It's a sleeve that you have to, you know, Got it. It, it's a child resistant sleeve. Oh, cool. And then if you, know, you mentioned earlier that in the old days, it was difficult to find printers to, to create this stuff. Uh, since you can't transport products, I'm assuming it's, it's, it's gotta be, I'm asking you stupid questions because I don't know anything no, about no, this. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know I, I mean? love like uh, nothing stupid. Can you buy, can you buy THC pack, you know, packaging in Arizona and then transport it into California or are Arizona printers going to be like, you know, we don't want to do that. They go, go to California. Yeah, no, it happens. Um, it happens, especially on in the unregulated market. There's a lot of knockoffs, um, you know, so you'll, you'll see, you'll definitely see 
knockoff brand packaging come in from outer other states. Um, well, but, like, but like you're in California, if you're working on a California brand, can you buy packaging in another state and bring oh, that in? Oh, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Totally. It's just yeah, paper. I, but. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, some places it gets a little funny sometimes if it's like if you get some if you get your packaging printed overseas um when it comes through customs if they see that it has any type of cannabis relation it can get hung up and it does a lot actually um it's probably better for most folks to print in the u.s um you know you, you have less possibilities of, of your stuff getting hung up but within the u.s yeah it's 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 easy. Um, you could print it wherever you want uh, and just have it shipped to your, your, your fulfillment facility. Yeah. And then if I've got, you know, if I've got a box and then it's a tincture bottle inside, uh, what other labeling requirements that happen then on bottle? Like I'm thinking like pharmaceuticals, right? Like Tylenol, it's got everything that's on the box, probably even more on the bottle. Like what happens there? It, it, uh, I, I don't think technically you have to, because the outer box, if that's a, child resistant box and it holds all the information um you don't necessarily need it on the bottle itself i don't i don't believe that i mean that's an interesting question i regardless of what that that rule is i always do it on both um because you know we both know that in in retail a lot of folks for whatever reason take things out of the box and throw the box away and put the sure. product on shelf like lick you know liquor that's pretty common practice um uh, at least in Virginia, it was with the ABC. I think out here is a little different, but um, uh, you know, I don't think it is mandatory at that for that. I don't think, but um, I always do it just in case. Um, plus, even when you buy the product, it's mm -hmm. for me. I think it's nice that if it's a, if there's a throwaway component to that product, that whatever the keeper pieces have as much information about what's in that as possible. So I always put it on both regardless. I haven't even been into a dispensary, you know, so mm -hmm. like in, in Arizona, you're not allowed unless you've got a license to go in, right? So okay. yeah, that's right. So if, so when you're going in there, you know, like I go into a retail store, whatever it is that I'm, that I'm designing packaging for, uh, mm -hmm. and I can see the competition when you're doing that research right when you when a brand comes to you like we want to do x product and you go in store to see what the competition's doing what are the things that you're looking for and um you know when you're designing the, the packaging to compete against these other products what are the most important things that you're trying to communicate off, off the box is it is it brand is it benefits like you know what is that it it probably would depend on the on the product or the even the brand um there are some brands that that you know are so recognizable and everywhere it, it makes it a little bit easier to obviously develop something that can help stand off the shelf because you've obviously got their initial brand recognition from from the public when they walk into the place they can see it from across the room they can see that's whoever rove um and then once they get over there they can see what new products are out um for other brands, I, I do. I love going into the shops to see what folks are doing um, because it's it's a you know one of the one of the areas of cannabis that is very restricted is advertising. So one of the few outlets of advertising um, that that cannabis brands has is their package. Their package is, you know, probably seventy five percent of their marketing. Um, you know their exposure because you're not allowed to advertise on the radio tv even billboards on freeways uh -huh. you're not allowed um uh all the social media 
outlets um, restricted and Instagram will drop you in a second, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, you know, is probably the friendliest to the cannabis community. And it, it's been, I mean, when I got, when I really started getting back on LinkedIn a couple of years ago, um, it was amazing just watching the amount of cannabis brands just start coming into that space. But so anyway, you know, you're restricted with advertising. So your package is really, that's your goal. That's your, that's your opportunity to tell your story, uh, show your, show your best um, to the public when they walk in and see you in a dispensary. So you know, the dispensary is my, my favorite place to go mm-hmm. research. It's the, it's the best place. Um, and I look for things like, um, you know, what, what type of, placement opportunities do you have in, in dispensaries in general mostly it's a glass case or shelves behind the the counters um so there's always some separation and when you have separation you need to make even more of an impact so i just i, I kind of watch the trends you know of what's happening and and try to actually try to buck the trends as much as I can. Um, with my experience in packaging, obviously I understand the production process really well. So I can take a basic design and just with some foils and embossing and coatings, you know, really make that stand out on shelf, really almost beam lights out at folks. Um, so I use a lot of my production knowledge to, to enhance this packaging, but it's a matter of paying attention to the colors, um, and everything that that's happening on the shelf um and, and a lot of brands are very true to their brand like you know kin slips is you know black with with these color pieces rove is predominantly black with uh with some type of um color detail yeah. um so all the main players i know their designs so i can actually work mine around those also i don't have to see what they're doing on shelf i already know um and i always try to just lead with my experience in the packaging world just try to let that let let that experience just kind of take over and dictate the best packaging for for whatever client that is but dude the dispensaries are that's that's the place to go for your research for sure and multiple dispensaries because there's so many brands out there it's amazing how many brands are out there so you really have to take a nice sampling of everything and also you know to see plenty of dispensaries to see how they display their packages and stuff like that everyone does it differently um uh and it's sometimes you have to kind of walk a balance you know walk a fine line of 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 kind of in your face product design um you know that may be able to be seen from across the way to something that's a little more subtle that may be you know up on a shelf or up on a counter right in front of your face it's it's interesting i love it again dude i've never been in one so <laughs> you know just being totally honest you know I, I i go to cvs i can go to cvs and i walk around i know what that looks like i go to walgreens i walk around i know what that looks like you know both of those even though they're competitors it's pretty much the same thing, right? One's got taller shelf shelving units is probably the difference. Um, mm-hmm. When you're talking about dispensaries, you know, I picture, cause you know, I've been in Vegas, I've been in LA, I walk around, I see, yeah, I walk past the dispensaries. Uh, some of them are pretty um, loose, let's call it. And then some of mm-hmm. them are, are more corporate, right? So, very much so, very much so. So you're not only just creating packaging for a, a product, to compete on shelf, you've also got to, you've got this disparity between where it's going to be, or not even disparity, just, you, just, you just have no control of where this is going to be displayed. Uh, 
right i'm assuming is is that correct so you can go into a dispensary and it's completely different than the next one it is um and like you said they 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 there's such a huge disparity between the the dispensaries i would say on average if you thought about going into like a jewelry shop with the glass case yeah. kind of goes around the whole place and they're kind of in the middle um and some glass cases around the edges that's kind of the typical dispensary layout um it's typically glass cases with with some shelves behind them um some of them like you said are are sketched there they can be actually very scary i mean i remember my first few dispensaries i went to in venice beach man i wasn't sure if i was going to come out of <laughs> those places it's just like a hole in the wall that you pass your id through and then they buzz you through a door and you go down the hallway and it's it's crazy um but uh you know uh so you've got everything from that and that that kind of still exists in the unregulated dispensary uh world but you're not i mean obviously uh, you know i'm not I, I i don't want that to be a thing anymore so i yeah. that doesn't even it's not even a place that i would even see anymore but the rest of the dispensaries yeah there's everything from you know whatever neiman marcus to walmart and uh even you know 7-eleven type of things wow. um yeah and, and it really is is strange because a lot of brands have to pay for um placements Mm-hmm. And that's one of the areas that dis- a lot of dispensaries make a, make a chunk of changes by getting, you know, paid for placement, which I don't like um, uh, because it just gives an unfair disadvantage to folks in the space, and and it actually can it can really promote brands that aren't really that good, you know, that that really aren't that good. So, but that's sure. the way it is. I mean, it, it is. It, we work with within the system as it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's. It really is. I mean, cannabis packaging is so challenging on every level from regulations to figuring out if your package is even going to be seen, you know, or are they going to like take your product out of the package, throw that beautiful package away and just, you know, stick the, you know, bottle of tank, bottle of, you know, up on the shelf or something like that. So, so when you're, when you're talking about some of the, like the materials of the packaging, right, we've seen a lot of the plastic, like the zip, the locking zip on top for, for the CR, um, what are the things that you've got? So anybody that's out there and they're thinking about designing cannabis, what are the things you got to consider when you're talking about the materials? Is this more like almost like food packaging? Like, like what, what do they need to consider? What should they know? Yeah. Um, I would get, yeah, it's, it's very similar to food. It's, it's, I, I, I consider it the same as food packaging. Um, I, I always, uh, refer to, you know, FDA rules and regs on, on anything I do. It's not necessary at this. I mean, it's not mandatory at this point because, um, uh, it is, you know, I think when it goes federal, it's going to be looked at a lot differently. But um, uh, edibles, anything that's classified as edibles does actually have to adhere to, to FDA um, rules and regs in the cannabis. But I apply that to everything uh, because all the stuff you're you're consuming and ingesting, um, you know, everything from tinctures to pre-rolls, even pre-rolls. Um, you know, I, I try to find packages that the pre-roll itself will be protected within the package. Um, the, sh- the, the tough part of that is you, you, a lot of times you end up with a lot of packaging, you know, in mm-hmm. cannabis, any regulated market, you're going to have a lot of packaging. You have to, you know, things are overpackaged so that they are CR um, and they're overpackaged so that the product inside will, will be protected. So, you know, it's important to think about your materials. Um, try to you know try to be as earth friendly as possible and you know i I try to 
keep a lot of my things to paperboard if possible. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I've got a big love for paperboard, um, you know, origami and all that kind of from the art side as well. Um, and there's a lot of cool stuff being done with, with paperboard and, and, and plastics as well. You know, you've got, again, you know, you've got hemp, industrial hemp coming out as a big player in the material world. There's a number of, of hemp boards out there. Um, there's a number of hemp plastics. Um, so, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's really just paying attention to the latest and greatest and making sure that whatever you use is friendly to the plant. Um, you know, you, you don't yeah. want to, you don't want to cross contaminate, uh, you know, this type of product for sure. You know, you're, you're talking about hemp papers and, and hemp plastics, uh, as we kind of dip our toes into the sustainability, is that paper being recycled? Like, is that being accepted? I, I've heard that sometimes, uh, recycling centers won't accept anything to do with cannabis that it has to be thrown into your, you know, your trash can, not your recycle bin. That's yeah, that's, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, there are that that's true i mean a lot of places won't touch um cannabis packaging for recycling and stuff like that i, I always break my stuff down as much as i can um and remove any of the cannabis stuff on there before yeah. i throw it in the recycle um but there are there are a number of companies that have actually popped up to actually address this issue um some cannabis recycling companies mm -hmm. uh, we actually we had a friend here in la that started a, a cannabis recycling um uh, business about four years ago um and uh is doing some interesting things now that i mean in addition to to, to trying to find ways to to recycle this and and i guess also you know lobby for recycling uh facilities to take more cannabis packaging um one of the big things in cannabis packaging and in cannabis are the uh the vape carts um vape <laughs> cartridges vapes so you've got this, excuse me, I'll pull this out. You've got this piece here. This has your cannabis oil in it and this screws into a battery and just like a vape, you, yeah. you just smoke it. Well, this is glass and plastic, I mean, glass and metal and plastic and all kinds of stuff. There's, and, and there's just so many of these things. So she started a, a, um, a little, uh, in, in the dispensary recycling service where she just basically has a big jar and you just bring your old carts and throw them back in that jar and she breaks them down and cleans them and um, takes them apart, dismantles them and recycles every little bit she can um, wow. from those pieces. Yeah, and that's, I mean, the amount of this stuff that's in the landfill is incredible. It's only gonna get worse. So, you know, recycling this stuff is a big important part of, of this whole packaging cannabis realm and that's you know i love that you're so into the the sustainability you know i, I love your videos but those ones in the recycling plant were, were actually super <laughs> cool but that's that's vital to this this um this segment and you know that's one of the one of the you know regulations is kind of the first thing i think about to make sure that whatever i do is compliant mm -hmm. the second thing is how is this package going to impact the world and that's when I just apply my experience and just downsize, do everything I can to make that minimal impact on the environment, but maximum impact on the on the client, you know, the customer. Um, wow. It's a challenge, but it's fun. It's one of the funnest parts of this. Do, do you know why recycling centers won't accept the packaging? I think simply because, um, you know, 
it's it's touched the plant in some way and um i don't know if that's a i don't know if that's you know a, a legal thing or if they think the there could potentially be some risk of exposure to their employees by by touching you know a, a, a cartridge that maybe the oil leaked out onto I, i'm not sure uh what that's about um yeah i've heard a lot of different things and, and those are just you know those are the couple of things that that i've heard um wow. yeah, just, but it, just it, seems, like, it just seems arbitrary it does seem arbitrary and i th- but we've seen that in this you know in the cannabis space we've seen a lot of arbitrary the stigma is so uh so you know goes runs so deep that uh folks don't know what this is even about that's that's the main thing about the cannabis you know this emerging cannabis space is education um i think once folks learn a little bit more about this and more folks do get educated about this whole cannabis uh plant things like that will start um you know going by the wayside we'll, we'll be able to start you know doing more recycling and stuff like that but until now it's really there's been no one talking about this so it's just been one side is like i'm not going to recycle it because it's got weed in it and the other side is like it's there's not weed in it it's the box that held it yeah. um and it, there's just no one talking. There's there's a lot of lot of actually examples of that type of scenario in cannabis that we're just over the years bridging and and uh, you know starting to to talk to other folks to try to get treated as a normal you know industry. I don't consider this an industry right now. It's a movement, but it will be an industry um, once it goes uh, federal. If you've got a guess, right, Rick Fix, you know, <laughs> Rick Fitzgerald. <laughs> Stand oh my goodness! When do you think this is going to go federal? It's changed. It's changed uh, in my nine years. It's it's changed every couple of years. I, I have a new prediction. I think, I think within, I think within, I think it next year. I think next year in 20, what are we, 2022, <laughs> we'll see the government um, uh, say, yes, we're, we're moving forward with legalization. Um, and by probably 2023, I'd say in, in two years, I think we'll, two to three years, I think we'll see federal legalization. That's just totally my gut. Um, <laughs> I actually haven't said that to many people, if, if any, except for maybe my wife. Um, but I think two to three years. You know, that's awesome, man. So that means yeah. no more, you know, you can design packaging for the entire country. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of dig it, though, right now, though, having the states decide their their own rules and regs because it gives us way more freedom to help build these brands and, and help build this up, up and coming industry before federal legalization gets in the in, in on it and, and you know kind of does some crazy stuff because I'm expecting a lot of change when they go federally legal a lot of the change is going to be interesting again dude super stupid question so if I go into <laughs> if I go into a dispensary here in Arizona mm-hmm. all the product on shelf everything that's there is all Arizona based plants all Arizona-based plants could be packaging from anywhere, but all the plant are are grown in Arizona. Have to be. Would I be able to? Are there brands that exist in multiple states? I mean, that seems like that seems so challenging, but I, I can't imagine that there aren't. There are a few. There's there's a handful that that are. Um, there's Rove. I mean, Rove is one of them. Even Kinslips. Um, well, Kinslips is in California and Canada. Um, 
Rove is in a number of states. They they've been one of the groups, and that's the key to that's been the key to success in the as a cannabis brand is to to establish yourself in a single state, but then be able to to bring that product to other states. And it's really hard and really expensive um, uh, to do that. But obviously, the bigger players are are doing that. Um, I sure. think even uh, Bang Chocolate. Uh, they're in multi-states, but I think they're even in multi-countries, which I think they might have actually been the first brand to even do that. You know, they're, they're a California brand, started California, and uh, I believe they're in, I just, I can't remember what other country, but I, I did see maybe Spain or something like that. Wow. So it's happening. Uh, it's just very expensive because it's establishing, a, creating an entire new entity in another state. Uh, because you have to apply for all the licenses, you have to um, you have to build everything. You can't have any it's a whole new, you know, a whole transport new supply chain. It's yeah, it's everything. Yep, yeah. it's insane. Um, and and most places don't do it that well. California, you know, I'm disappointed in California. They 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 came up short in a lot of areas. You know, they did great in in, in some places, but they came up short in a lot of areas. Um, and I'm every state that comes on, I'm I'm hoping every time I'm like, please. <laughs> look at what we've all done and do it right because you'll be happy you did you did um but most states just come out and they just fall it's it's such a complex thing it really is and i think some some people just get blown away by the money potential and they don't think about all the infrastructure needed for this it's an agricultural product i mean you gotta grow it you gotta yeah. you gotta process it you gotta ship it you gotta store it you know it's got a shelf life mm-hmm. you know and you've got to and within a regulated market like cannabis you have to tra- trace it from seed to sale that everything has to be every movement that that seed that plant makes is tracked every step of the way until it's sold um and that's a heck of a thing to keep wow. up with and yeah. how's the how's the drought you know that we're feeling here on the on the west coast how's that impacting the industry it has impacted a bit um i think more than anything probably the the fires um out in California was it last year, year before last, uh, did some pretty significant damage. Um, there are a lot of indoor grows though. I mean, that's, I think that's where a majority of, of, you know, products are coming from specifically the isolates, you know, when they, when they extract just the THC from the plant, um, I would imagine the majority of that is indoor grow. Um, so there's tons of indoor grows. Uh, I'm sure the, the, the drought affects them from a cost standpoint, but sure. As far as any type of drought from any rain, you know, I think the outdoor grows are probably in areas that that make a little more sense. I know up in Humboldt, Northern California, in the in the in the mountains there, they get tons of plenty of rain, so you know they're they can uh, they you know they're they're a little better off. But yeah, I think there's so many indoor grows it hasn't affected, uh, at, you know this this space this space as much, which surprises me. I thought it actually would, but doesn't seem to have affected it that bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, my experience in this is, is pretty little. I, I do remember as a kid though, growing up in Hawaii, you know, there was a open field, about acre and a half of, of plant growing to be harvested and everything else as a, you know, as a kid on the big Island. Oh, no kidding. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like that, that's what I picture, right. It's like, just like that outdoor, <laughs> just rows and rows. Right. Oh, there's, there's plenty of those. Um, 
Actually, there's uh, there's some you know those are those are kind of interesting. I, I mentioned uh, Indica earlier, um, the travel the travel thing, but um, there are some you can go tour these grows now, which are which is pretty cool. Um, actually, especially up north in Humboldt, uh, they've got uh, they've got a. I mean, it's a whole big part of their tourism is uh, bringing people in, touring the grows, staying at like. A, a bed and breakfast on the grow, you know, and having, you know, cannabis infused mm -hmm. meals and stuff. It's, it's, it's a trip, man. It's, it's, it's insane. So, there, there's so much it is. It's insane. So, so you, insane. so you started, uh, Indica, which is like you said, it's, it's a, essentially like a, a trap. It's a, like a trip advisor. Yeah. So, um, how have you seen that grow? over the pandemic now that everybody's like traveling everywhere has this also kind of exploded too it has it, this this year has been the first real year of cannabis tourism this has been the year that you know uh it's starting to happen oddly enough and it's so crazy i mean last year at this time or last year you know in march uh we weren't we didn't think indica was gonna be a thing anymore we figured you know with the the quarantine and travel restrictions that were probably going to be going on for a good while was was probably the end of a lot of the cannabis yeah. travel, like cannabis tourism. But it, it actually was the opposite. People were get, were leaving their houses to go to these places to get away from the craziness, you know, enjoy some some uh, you know of their cannabis and, and just chill. So it actually started to become a thing. Um, and then once uh, travel restrictions were lifted, it it just started blossoming you know no pun intended but it just started blooming and and yeah. uh you know we we just had a press our first press release um uh, uh we partnered with i'll, I'll we part, actually partnered with ken slips on uh california travel is back campaign um you know just to show folks where all these great places are that they can go you know check out um and there's some amazing places resorts bed breakfasts yeah how do you deploy a campaign in an industry where you can't advertise? That's the fun. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the fun. <laughs> so we um, uh, social media is obviously mm -hmm. big, um, and then direct direct uh, consumer marketing. Um, uh, we we're, we we did a, a, um, some postcards. Um, and basically we're asking the folks that are staying in these places that to, to, you know, fill out this postcard with their experience, um, pop a picture, put it on social media, tag, you know, Kendica, whatever, tag, whatever, whatever we've got going on yeah. and they'll get like a, you know, little gift bag of goodies. Um, so, you know, that's one way, that's a smaller kind of way to do yeah. it. Social media is probably the, the, the the best way but things like what 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 you've given me the opportunity with here you know telling a little bit of my story and and you know sharing a little bit of information about what i'm up to is probably one of the best ways you know kind of setting ourselves up as as leaders in this space yeah. to to be able to you know show showcase what we're doing a little better you know getting the word out there is tough so this type of forum is great and if i go to like if i go to indica is it just like a U.S. base or everywhere? It's it will be even more places. Right now, we are mostly U.S. based. We've got a property in Jamaica, which was one Coral Cove, which is one of the premier 
um, cannabis destinations. Um, they're actually starting to do psilocybin as well, mushrooms. Yeah. Um, so it's becoming a it's becoming a really interesting wellness retreat. Um, so yeah, we, we've got those and there's, uh, places in, in Spain, Barcelona has some great places. Uh, obviously, you know, Amsterdam is actually kind of downsizing their world, mm -hmm. their, their world of cannabis. Um, but because of where they are, there's a bunch of great places up, up there, but we, we mostly list in the U S, uh, because we like the, we've got a vetting process, um, pretty strict vetting process. And part of that is hopefully that we go and experience the yeah. the place before we list it but if not us someone else that we trust um so a lot of these places it's hard to get vetted um but it's okay i mean you know we've with with travel opening up we'll have more folks that are going out to these places that can you know say you know whether it's it's good or not um that's a whole another area you know that's interesting with with brands though is you know, Kinslip's approached us. They they wanted more exposure to a certain demographic, which we have, which is basically, you know, I think I'm probably I may be older than you, but you know, the, the kind of fifty-ish range for you know, thir probably thirty to sixty age age range. Um, and this is a way through Indica that they can get their product directly to consumers and the consumers they you know they want to hit. Right. Um, so it's also, you know, Indica is also kind of a, an interest, interesting marketing tool for some folks. And we realized that when we built this, we, we wanted to partner with brands to try to try to, you know, just get all of us a bigger voice in this whole space and, and put us up all, put us all out there for folks to see. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to kind of go through some of this stuff and teach me, you know, what's happening in cannabis. Cause again, no clue. Mm-hmm. How much of the packaging that you're designing, how much of it is cannabis versus other products? I am probably almost all cannabis, um, yeah. almost all cannabis and hemp. Um, I, you know, I, so probably about 90%, nine out of 10 projects are, are, are cannabis. And that's, you know, that's simply just become be come from just me kind of navigating this space. Um, I, you know, I'm small. I'm a super small business, so I don't have a lot of advertising dollars and all of mm -hmm. my stuff comes word of mouth. And, you know, part of that is because I'm a trusted member of the cannabis community. I've, I'm, I'm involved in a, in a bunch of different things, everything from, you know, uh, regulations, you know, to, to branding, um, you know, then we donate a lot of our time to help you know, with folks that have been imprisoned for cannabis convictions, expungements, uh, you know, some of the important things around the cannabis world, like social equity that needs to be addressed in every state. You know, we, we're really involved on a lot of levels. So that's benefited me, but it's an honest approach. I want to help this plant become more part of our lifestyle and to have more folks see what cannabis really is about and what it can do. It's way, it's way beyond the buzz. I mean, um, this is a this is a powerful medicine and a real uh, great uh, healing tool for for a lot of things and so it's it's I just feel it's kind of my responsibility to to promote that in the best light possible and you know one of the best ways to do that is know that world inside and out and I, I I'm not the premier expert on cannabis for sure but I feel confident that I've done a lot of research and I really understand this plant and, and the the community that has been rallying around it for a long time and I feel like I, I have a good feeling for how it could really help uh, a lot of folks out there so 
you know, that, that's what I want to kind of show through my design um, specifically. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I glad I kind of fell into this, you know, I, I would have never, dude, I would have never guessed. I mean, especially growing up in Virginia, I would have never guessed that, that this packaging would ever even be a thing that cannabis would ever be accepted in any way, right. you know? So it's, uh, it's kind of a, a kind of a fun thing and it's a startup it's a complete startup industry this who knows this may hemp may be our, the last great industry we see um at least for a long long time so we need to treat it right and do it right and get it off to the the start it deserves so if somebody's out there and they've got a, a cannabis product somehow they've got a cannabis product and they've got a little cousin that does graphic design on the side mm-hmm would you recommend that they go to you know, the cheapest designer in, in cannabis on a fiber or like a relative, or should they really go to an expert and somebody that knows this industry? Yeah, absolutely. And I see a lot of that. I see a lot of the relative, you know, the, the niece nephew designs out there and, um, it's a big disservice to obviously them, but also just what's happening here and, and us trying to get this this whole thing off the ground. Um, definitely go to a professional. It, it uh, It's going to cost more, obviously, but it's so important and that's the safe route. Um, but even then, make sure that, you know, that person is versed in the cannabis regulations of the state they're designing that, that product, that package for. Um, and, you know, I, I do, I, I got a lot of, I've got, I still get a lot of pushback for, you know, costs. Um, and I keep my costs way down. I'm very fair. I, I know what it's like to bootstrap a, a company. I'm doing it. Um, so I never try to, to take advantage of any situation, even though, you know, a lot of folks see, see this as a startup, you know, and, and a lot of these, you know, brands coming in with a lot of money. It's not, not really true. The majority of these brands don't have a lot of money and the money they have if they got any investment, they're they're putting that into um, into the staying legal. Uh, the cost of compliance is incredible in this space. So, a lot of folks don't have a lot of budget for for packaging, and that's I think that's why some people do go on the cheap is because they just can't afford the prices uh, uh, that uh, for the folks that they should be using. Um, but absolutely, I, I just say I, I would just say save your money. <laughs> wait to release your brand, wait like another six months, save that money and get someone to do it right. Cause they will, they will, you know, they'll, they'll yank your product off the shelf so quick if it's not up to compliance and people do, do really push these regs. I mean, some people will come in with smaller logos here and, you know, weird placement there for, right. for the most part, as long as you're in mostly compliant, they, you won't get messed with. Uh, but then some people just, don't even know whoever designed their package designed it without anything on it and they'll come in and pull that package in a second so the money that you would have spent up front with that per with a good person that knew their stuff is spent exponentially more in the back end by having to reprint all this and go to an expert to get it done correctly Sure. Again, on top, so, on top of that it gets really and i've heard that it sounds crazy you wouldn't think that would be very prevalent but it is it happens a lot and i always feel i feel heartbroken for these folks you know <laughs> um that's why you know some uh, some people actually take on for very cheap just because they've been through the ringer they got a great product a great story but they are just out of money you know they've mm -hmm. spent it 
uh, unwisely. And uh, so there's a lot of folks out there that need that <laughs> go to a pro, go to a pro, bottom line. Rick, man, yeah. thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you being on here and educating us on on cannabis. Now, I, I mean, you can you can see your passion, you can hear it in just the way that you talk about the, the product itself, and obviously the packaging, uh, and the fact that you've launched uh, Indica, which is you know Indica.com, and that product itself is is amazing in terms of bringing together a community. Um, around this industry that you love, man. So if anybody wants to reach out to you because they're interested in cannabis packaging or they're interested in learning more about cannabis, what's the best place for them to reach you? Um, I do finally have a website, which I left uh, <laughs> in the background for like nine years. Um, uh, so at, you can go to uh, www.lazyturtlegroup.com. Um, uh, check out what I've done. Um, it's, it's a pretty basic site, but it gives a little bit of uh, stuff about what I've done. And also you can, I can be reached at, uh, Rick at lazy turtle group.com. Um, I welcome all questions. Avila, there's, there's no stupid questions in <laughs> cannabis, especially I'm amazed, even in California where this is so it's so cannabis centric. The only folks that really know about cannabis are the people that are in the cannabis industry. People that even people that, consume cannabis on the regular don't really know much about this space so i welcome any and all questions um sometimes you have to shut me up uh and and <laughs> bring me back to to center but uh I, I i love it so anytime and you include obviously um looking forward to talking to you more uh just going forward but any questions always reach out to me man i'm always here for you awesome man. rick i, I yeah. really appreciate it man Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank Rick for sharing his expertise on cannabis packaging. And I want to thank you for listening. Follow us at packagedesign.com.